In the name of God, the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. This is one of the most beautiful of all of the accounts of the resurrection appearances of the Lord, this story of the appearance to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So they were walking with him for seven miles and they didn't really know who he was until he had opened to them the scriptures. And then by immersing them in the scriptures, their hearts and their minds were prepared. And he took the bread and blessed it, broke it, gave it to them, the things that we do every time we celebrate the Eucharist. And he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Now the church has always pointed to this scripture as a scriptural foundation for its conviction that the crucified, risen, ascended, glorified Lord is present to his people in and through the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. In the sacrifice of the Mass, in the Holy Communion, in the Holy Eucharist, it's known by so many names, heaven and earth meet. And he who is himself heaven in person is according to his promise in our midst when two or three are gathered together in his name. We're finding this a very poignant gospel reading this year because aside from the priest and one or two faithful servers, most of the people are prevented from eating sacramentally the bread and drinking sacramentally the wine, which are the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus. We're experiencing in the church now something which is not normal, something which is not ordinary, something which is extraordinary. Ordinarily, the sacramental meal of the body and blood, this bread and wine that he associated with his sacrifice on the night in which he was betrayed, which he gave as a means for participating in his risen life, uh, as a means which he gave for nourishing us in this world and making us fit for eternal fellowship with him in the next. Uh, this meal, which is the normal sustenance of the Christian people, uh, many, many are prevented from partaking of this meal. But the church has been here before. Uh, it's been impossible to partake of the body and blood of the Lord, of the bread and the wine of the Eucharist during times of war, during times of persecution, when Christians have been imprisoned. Um, it's sometimes impossible for someone, even though the priest is there and the sacrament is there, to physically eat and, and drink the sacrament because of uh, a, a great illness. I've had this experience when I've gone into the ICU and um, it's not been possible even to place a, a drop of wine on someone's list. But I've celebrated the Eucharist and they've looked and they've beheld and they've participated. In the 1570s, the bubonic plague came to the city of Milan and the saintly bishop of Milan, uh, St. Charles, Charles Borromeo, closed all of the churches in an attempt to keep the plague from spreading. And then he ordered his priests to set up altars in the streets 
so that the mass could be celebrated and the people could participate by looking through the windows at the celebration of the Holy Eucharist. Not so very different from the situation that a lot of the faithful are in right now when they can only participate in the Mass by looking on uh, through uh, this wonderful gift of media that we have. It is, it's a poignant thing to be prevented from uh, physically participating in the Holy Eucharist and physically eating the bread and drinking the wine that are the body and blood of the Lord, the means by which, as Richard Hooker says, we participate in him and he, uh, he participates in us. That we pray that we might live in him and he might live in us. But we can still uh, participate. Uh, we can still draw benefit. The Mass has been televised for a long, long time. 1948, the Christmas Mass at the Cathedral of Notre Dame was the first uh, Mass that was, that was broad, broadcast. The television was only uh, 28, 20 years old, so 1920 to 1948 was 28 years old. Um, our, our daily Masses broadcast over the television waves have been a feature of uh, life for many, many, many years. And many of our churches have broadcast or live streamed their services for a great long while. It's not the ordinary means for participating in the Holy Eucharist, but it is a means for us to participate in these extraordinary circumstances. So how can this be? How can we participate in something uh, that uh, is so physical, is so palpable, is so, is so sensible. How can we uh, participate as observers? Well, perhaps minimally, if we stay at arm's length and arm's distance. But perhaps deeply, profoundly, personally, if we give ourselves to what we see presented, if we identify ourselves with what we see presented, if we cling with uh, all our, our heart and our, our, our longing to this thing which is upheld before our eyes. So what is it that's being presented or represented? What's being presented is the sacrifice of the Lord. In the Bible, a sacrifice is a life poured out the priest takes the blood of the animal and the life is in the blood. And by God's ordinance, this life that is poured out, it cleanses from sin. It repairs the broken relationship between God and humanity. It brings peace again to the community. And by God's appointment, this is the means by which the people are once again accounted God's holy people. Now, those sacrifices in the Old Testament, they were good, but the perfect sacrifices come. And what Jesus did on the night in which he was betrayed was that he associated his whole life of sacrificial love. It has ever been the character of the Son of God, of the eternally begotten Son of God, of the eternally spoken word of God's love, 
the second person of the Trinity, the Word, the eternally spoken Word of God's love. It has ever been the character of the Son, the vocation of the Son, to pour himself out towards us for his Father's sake and to pour himself out towards the Father for our sake. On the night in which he was betrayed, he identifies this eternal life of sacrificial love with the action of the bread and the wine. And when the Mass is celebrated, the, 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 the sacrificial love of the Savior is brought into our presence in such a way that we can join ourselves to it. We may be prevented from physically eating the bread and physically drinking the wine, but we're not prevented from reaching out in faith and making our own what he has done for us and what he is doing for us. We are not prevented from hearing him say as he takes the bread and the wine in his hands, this is my body, this is my blood. And we're not prevented from saying, Amen. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. The reason why the Holy Eucharist has ever been the central act of Christian worship, as the Book of Common Prayer calls it, is because there is really only one act of worship and only one worshiper, one perfect act of worship and one perfect worshiper. And that perfect act of worship being enacted by the perfect worshiper is made present to us in a sensible way, in a palpable way, in a haveable way, in a way that we can embrace and identify with and cleave to when everything that he did in the night in which he was betrayed is enacted in front of us. We may, we may be, part, we may be um, impeded in taking the bread into our hands and taking the cup to our lips, but we're not impeded in clinging to him and allowing him to take us up in his one eternal act of worship and sacrifice whether he, whether he, where he gathers us and the whole creation in his arms and by the power of the Spirit offers them in love and adoration to the Father, where he also pours out his life in mercy, forgiveness, uh, and uh, life-giving sacrificial love to his brothers and sisters. Nothing prevents us from identifying with this personally, profoundly, and spiritually. Naturally, we will hunger for the bread. Naturally, we will thirst for the wine. Maybe there's a blessing here. Maybe when we're finally allowed to meet together, we will have a new appreciation for this tremendous gift that we have in the Holy Eucharist. Um, maybe we're being taught uh, how dependent we are and how badly we need him. Uh, even though I have a great privilege of celebrating the Mass now virtually uh, every day with one or two uh, servers, yet I hunger and thirst as well. I, I, I hunger and thirst for the time when I can uh, receive the sacrament with my brothers and sisters. 
But until that time, we are not prevented from walking with him on the road to Emmaus as he opens to us the scripture. And we find there all the promises coming of God coming true in him. We find our hearts set on fire by the words of God in the, in the holy scriptures. We find our, our, our perceptions tuned so that when the bread is held aloft and broken and the priest says, Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us, we're able to say, therefore let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. I want to end today by talking a little bit about spiritual communion. Uh, ordinarily, we participate in the sacrament by receiving the bread and the wine. These are extraordinary circumstances. And the Book of Common Prayer actually talks about it on page 457. The Book of Common Prayer reminds us that if one is unable to actually consume the consecrated bread and wine because of extreme sickness or disability, it's a disability out of our control, we are for good cause prevented. The desire is enough for God to grant all the benefits of communion. While being present at a celebration of the Eucharist is absolutely impossible, this act of prayer and meditation can provide the means by which you can associate yourself with the Eucharistic action, with this one perfect act of sacrificial love and worship by the one perfect worshiper, and therefore open yourself to God's grace and blessing. This is the prayer for you to say at the time of communion. In union, blessed Jesus, with the faithful gathered at every altar of your church where your blessed body and blood are offered this day, remembering especially my own cathedral, I long to offer you praise and thanksgiving for creation and all the blessings of this life, for the redemption won for us by your life, death, and resurrection, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. I believe that you are truly present in the Holy Sacrament, and since I cannot at this time receive communion, I pray you to come into my heart. I unite myself with you and embrace you with all my heart, my soul, and my mind. Let nothing separate me from you. Let me serve you in this life until by your grace I come to your glorious kingdom and unending peace. Amen. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.